Well, I feel like I have to ask you this question myself because as the so-called migrant, or a refugee, or whichever category they put us today, after reading some of the things or watching some of your debate, I felt like I should ask you, what does a migrant mean to you? What is the meaning of this? Because I myself cannot figure that out. Hmm. No, I think it's a very important question because uh, you already said it in the way that you expressed yourself, you know, that they put this label on you, you know. Um, so that's the first and most important thing to think about, yeah. um, that these categories, these terms, you know, are ways of organizing a kind of knowledge that is also part of government, part of the way that the state is trying to control people's movement, you know. So from that point of view, you know, they like to introduce some kind of strict separation. Migrants are like this, refugees are something else. They have their definitions, they have their experts, they have people that, that are authorized and given power to make decisions about other people's lives on the basis of these categories, of these terms, that basically produce a kind of regimentation, uh. sorting people, sifting people, ranking people into different categories. So, of course... The truth is, you know, if, uh, if the general sense is that somehow a refugee is someone who somehow is understood to be political, somehow understood to be uh, someone fleeing from conflict or fleeing from persecution, yeah. um, then that is something that can be separated as purely a political phenomenon from someone else who is characterized as a migrant, who supposedly is a purely economic actor, yeah. someone who just wants to pursue a better life and is, um, you know, and, and in that sense is, uh, is framed as not having any kind of uh, political reasons uh, for his or her movement, right? And the reality is it's almost always a combination of both things, right? Yeah. That the reality is that every refugee continues to have aspirations, continues to have desires, uh, you know, continues to want to recommence his or her life and make, an, make a new life. So in that way, the refugee begins to resemble a migrant. Similarly, every migrant is usually fleeing something, even if it's only deprivation and poverty and, you know, or a sense that life in the place that the migrant begins you know, doesn't offer any opportunities or prospects for, for making a good life. So, so in that sense, you could say that every migrant starts to look like a refugee of some kind as yeah. well. Right? But it also has to do with the question of which kinds of conflicts are recognized as the ones that are legitimate conflicts from the point of view of the state that wants to sort and rank the refugee. You uh -huh. know? So is it a refugee or is it not a refugee? That decision frequently turns on a question of, you know, kind of global geopolitical considerations about what things are recognizable in the official discourse yeah. as, you know, as persecution, as conflict, and so on. And, um, you know, so what we have, in fact, is a series of categories that have deep consequences for people's lives yes. that are foisted upon people by a regime that needs to govern them. Yes. You know. Well, this is a, almost a reality to what we experience here in Denmark, all over Europe, and outside of Europe as well. Like the other day, I was having a discussion with someone, and he goes like, you, but you're a migrant. And I said to him, don't call me a migrant because I have a name. 
This is something that was invented by who? So the, all these words that has been used to describe us, why these people need to be in detention, who need to be forcibly removed, all these things are created by either capitalists that is being pushed by Europe from a long time. So I have been thinking particularly, what do you think? about this because when it comes to freedom of movement you did say something you said that this was not natural that this was man-made being a, one of the so-called migrants i can identify with that when you come here then it becomes like that category that has been created by europe sure. directly or indirectly so how do you see such things like freedom of movement how does that affect with like policies that has been made how does that affect the freedom of people's movement sure no, you raised several different points that are important to think about. One is that under capitalism, money migrates all the time, right? Money is completely mobile. Uh, people invest capital all over the world, wherever they can realize a profit, and uh, with very, very few impediments, very few obstacles. So you have this complete mobility for capital, but the mobility of labor and the mobility of human beings, more generally speaking, um, gets subjected to all these kinds of uh, rules and regulations and um, borders and controls. Right? Um, so from that point of view, we could say that if there were no borders, there would be no migrants, there would be no refugees. There would only be human beings moving around the space of the planet. And indeed, as human beings, uh, it's a completely natural thing yeah. for us to move. So, so the question is, what are the categories that organize our sense of which kinds of movement are normal and which ones are somehow understood to be uh, a transgression or a violation, right? If you move from the north of Denmark to the south of Denmark, that's not called migration. No. Right? Um, so, so increasingly, we, we use the word migration only when we're talking about crossing the borders of states, right? And if we look historically, in fact, those borders and those states themselves are only a few hundred years old at best, right? So, so rather than see this as a natural thing, a permanent fact of life, these are actually very historically specific circumstances and arrangements that are indeed, as you said, artificial ones, man-made ones, um, that then have deep consequences for who gets to go where and under what circumstances. Mm. Now, you know, I'll add that a border is not only about excluding people, because many people cross borders with great ease, right? It's a, so really what it is is a kind of device for introducing a series of uh, inequalities around movement, partly about exclusion, partly about inclusion. But even when it looks like it's exclusionary and, you know, even when officially people are branded as unwanted, unwelcome, undesirable, illegal, uh, etc. Um, we know that employers take great advantage of the circumstances of people who are vulnerable to the, you know, to the repercussions of the law. If you're branded as illegal, if your life circumstances are made more difficult because you're vulnerable to the consequences of being, you know, detected, mm. arrested, detained, deported, then, of course, that contributes to um, a lot of people feeling like they have to, um, like they have to um, 
stay in the shadows and and keep a low profile and not get into trouble and not get involved in anything that could uh, that could put them at risk and of course it allows employers to exploit them in extraordinary ways um, so 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 of course the production of illegality making people illegal illegalizing people is actually very productive in these detention camps or in asylum camps you come to see that a lot of the times the government say the people are not productive, they are uneducated, they cannot uh, add to our community or our society. But yet, these people who are in every day being exploited, both the ones who are sent to jail, who work from inside the jail, both the ones, as you are saying, who work, who work for other people, employees, on the ground. But in reality, this is actually what makes people look like as if they are criminals, which means there is this policy that actually incriminates people that has already been labeled migrants, refugees, either unwanted, which means it's actually um, a very good labor market mm -hmm. for, for, for this society. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but indeed, the two go hand in hand, and this is the thing that people frequently have difficulty to recognize, which is that very good labor market of, of you know, people that are considered to be low-skilled or unskilled, mm. that very good labor market of people who are there to do a lot of the hard work and the dirty work, uh, the work that is uh, looked down upon. Uh, a lot of the people that are in the position to do that work are, you know, forced to occupy that position in part because they've been called illegal and because they've been called unwanted and unwelcome. So so the degree to which they're branded and labeled as unwanted mm. increases the degree to which they are truly wanted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're called undesirable. That makes them more desirable from the point of view of taking advantage of their labor. Yeah. Um, you know, so the two go hand in hand. And indeed you you need you need people to say, keep them out, build a, a barricade at the border you know, put up the razor wire fence. Uh, you need the people who, who need to be shrieking all the time, you know, like howling dogs in a junkyard. You know, that you need those people who are the howling dogs mm. to say, you know, we, we don't want them. They're criminals. They're a danger to society. Keep them out uh, in order to bring them in under the most productive terms for capital, yeah. for the employers. Right?